Welcome everybody to episode 25 of Leading Ladies Corpus Christi. I'm sitting next to an assistant DA, Erica Matlock, here through the Nueces County District Attorney's Office. It's such like a long, like, am I saying it right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, it's, it's funny because when I go, I, I'm, people ask me what I do and I don't know whether to say I'm an assistant district attorney or I'm a prosecutor. And I just, one time I was on a boat in Hawaii and I said prosecutor, but it was like a speedboat. And I, and she, she just kind of nodded and I just thought, she thinks I said prostitute. <laughs> And I'm just really proud of myself. Oh so my I made God. sure she was like, no, I heard you. And so, but I always get nervous. People won't know what it is. And then I'm like, I just put bad guys away. Yeah. No, job. I mean, yeah. And apparently you're really good at it and we'll get into that. But Try first me. things first, I want to take a shot in celebration yes. of you. And I'm also going to attempt to record it. So bear with me. Oh, I think I got it. No, I don't. I don't have it. Hold on. Okay, so, I mean, how did you even get into being, like, what made you want to be an attorney? Think about that answer Okay. while we take the shot. Okay. This is not as smooth as I was hoping. <laughs> All right, there we go. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, God. <coughs> oh. <laughs> it's so good. I forgot I was on camera. That's yep. great. That, I know, it's the best. Oh, God. Anyway. Oh, shot face. Yes. Um, so, attorney. <laughs> yeah, did you always know? This is always one of the first questions I ask because a lot of people, you know, go through thinking, I want to be a doctor, I want to be a lawyer, I want to be an astronaut. Yeah. But I mean, how many people actually become that? How many people start off with that dream? So. Definitely. So, um, I always joke, and it's true in my jury selections, that my mom was an attorney and my dad was a cop, so I was born for this. Wow. Yeah, okay. and I have the last name Matlock. I mean, you know. Yeah, like, yeah, you do. You it's not? a pretty great name. It is. It's yeah. my favorite. Um, I keep telling my boyfriend I'm never going to change it. Yeah. Um, right on, girl. I know. It's 2018. Girl power. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, and I watched, uh, the reason I wanted to become a prosecutor was I watched so much Law and Order growing up. Mm -hmm. Like, no joke. I, that's all I did was watch Law and Order SVU, and I just wanted to be the, you know, badass who puts people away. Um... And so then, well, I mean, surely, like you said, you were born for it, but ultimately it was your mom that was the attorney? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, a, a strong female figure yes. passing that kind of thing on. How instrumental was she? In God. Well, first of all, my mom's a saint, um, besides the attorney part. But she, I mean, she was just, you know, mom, she was such a good mom, um, always home, you know, cooking dinner and stuff like that. My grandma. Wow. Props uh, to her. Yes. She's, she's phenomenal she still does like her own gardening and she works out and she's just like who i want to be yeah oh, i want it are you kidding my house is a wreck and i'm just like i'm not doing this right yeah like, i didn't get that gene from you girl i know she's hashtag goals but um so yeah so that was that was key and it's, especially in like when i was really going to law school you mm -hmm. know I, I took i did uh i went to ut how come uh, and I did rhetoric and writing there. Uh, I saw that. Yeah, okay. in preparation. I'm like one of three people probably. Mm. But, <laughs> um, but I I always regret not doing journalism. I really wish I would have done journalism. I toyed with journalism. Oh, I, every you day. You might still be able to. I would, maybe I could get yeah. like a, a, from Del Mar or something. Yeah, you might still be able to. Something to consider. Hashtag goals, like you said. Because one day I really like... My dream is to be a Dateline correspondent. I feel like you you give off that vibe. <laughs> you you do. You truly do. That's interesting. I'm a true crime psycho. Like I, that's all I do. My boyfriend, he's a defense attorney, and uh, he's like, "Don't you get tired? Like you do that all day. Don't you get tired of it? No. That's amazing. But I think it's because these cases are like 
when they're pro- profiled on these shows and podcasts and everything that I do is mm-hmm. really true crime. But um, they're they're finished. They're wrapped up. Oh, that's a good point. So it's kind yeah. of nice. And also, um, some some of the podcasts I listen to are like other lawyers, and mm-hmm. so they Ooh. give me they give me ideas for my cases. Of course, there are lawyers with podcasts. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I've gotten a couple like you know lines in this. That's what we do as lawyers. We copy something we saw yeah. for somebody, from somebody else. We you don't told read. me this was yeah. the first day I met you. Case law. Yeah. Copy and steal everything. That's mm. what a, a friend of mine told me. <laughs> oh, that's, a, that's great. And I, I live by it. I do. Because you just I, I'm not smart enough to think of something groundbreaking, but somebody was. I'm not sure I agree with that first part. However, if, if it's tried and true, then yes, absolutely implemented. Oh, yeah. I mean... I love it. Um, my former court partner always used Shakespeare in his closing. He's from, he went to Harvard, so he's, he's great. Gotcha. Um, he's so smart. <laughs> he always used Shakespeare, so I wanted to do something like that. So I, I finally found a Shakespeare quote, and then he did it right before me. It was Dang a different it. Shakespeare quote, and I was like, I know. Oh, sh- does this have an explicit content warning? It's oh, no, no, I meant to tell you that. I meant to tell you that. No, this is ultimately, usually this is uh, what I tell my guests prior to recording, but no, there's, it's absolutely casual, speak freely. Good. I yeah. have a pardon my French shirt on. I have the mouth of a sailor, but I'm around cops all the time. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, and we kind of live by the, if you don't laugh, you cry. So. Oh, I like that. We joke a lot. Um, I really like that. I might incorporate that. There you go. I'm stealing. You should. It's stealing. Yeah. <laughs> it's dark humor. I love dark humor. It just presented at a Rotary Club. And I was like, it, it might sound like I'm joking a lot. Um, I do take this seriously, but. Oh, oh, and that's another thing I wanted to say. Thank you for reminding me. Don't forget what you were going to say. But on this particular podcast, it is slightly more serious. I mean, of course, we're lighthearted and we're going to have a good time. But we're talking about subjects that are extremely serious and important. And people like you are, you know, helping people out in these really trying times. So, you know, thank you for that. But carry on. No, I just, I'm, you know, we joke, we have a dark sense of humor, but at the end of the day, like, we love what we do. We don't do it for pay, obviously. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, I mean, so basically, you've pretty much said that your passion for what you do runs so deeply that even when you're out of work, you're still researching, you're still learning, you're still studying. How many people can say that? I mean... A lot of prosecutors, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, the ones who really love it. Um, because, like I said, you know, we're not paid. We, I, I don't take luxurious vacations on my salary. Maybe right. my boyfriend's, but not mine. Um, <laughs> but I, I love it. I couldn't imagine doing anything else. And my little cousin, actually, was. I was talking to her. Um, she was graduating from the University of Texas. Following my footsteps. I'm mm-hmm. very proud. Um, and you should I just, be proud. I you love her to death. She's standard. fantastic. She's just like me, and I love it. Um... But she was graduating from UT, and she had a job at Charles Schwab already, and she was like, wow. do you think I should go to law school? And I was like, absolutely not, unless you cannot imagine your life not being an attorney. Mm-hmm. It's just a ton of debt to take on. It's a ton yes, of work. Yes, yes. And that's, that's, that's real right there. That's keeping it real. It really, it really is, and I would tell everybody. like, But me, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Mm-hmm. But that's all I ever wanted to do. Okay, well, I wanted to be a novelist. I still do. Yeah. I, no, and that's something that you can still do. They're not like totally conflicting. Yeah. And Dateline host, obviously, yeah. is still there. Call I feel like that is very attainable. Like, I'm uh, trying. Yeah, all of it. I'm hoping. Just call me Dateline. Keith Morrison. I Dateline, where are you at? Dateline. You'll NBC. Be tagged. NBC. But it, so back to what you were saying about how you hang out with a lot of cops, it really is like you were meant 
to do what you're doing because you're coming from, first of all from a law background in terms of your family mm -hmm. but also from the fact that you have almost both sides represented uh like your exposure to that so you're able to converse and identify with police as well as other attorneys oh yeah i mean that's pretty freaking sweet it almost feels like destiny or it's fate nice or it's great i mean i really do feel like i god i got so lucky in doing what i love what i want to do and I think I'm pretty good at it, so yeah. that's good. Uh, yes, um, we'll get into that very so, soon. So, so I got, I just got lucky. You know, every day I walk around being like, somebody someday is gonna figure out that I'm not uh, qualified to do this stuff. But it's crazy because I think that's something that a lot of people, that's a thought a lot of people have about themselves whenever they're kicking ass in their field, and it's kind of like, uh, it's surprising for me to hear someone like you say that. But it's so interesting, like we're all so similar in that kind of way. But uh, it also says a lot about you in terms of, like, humility and that kind of thing. Well, I think about our age group. Like, you know, I was, you know, so Kayla Holzebeck is my best friend. She's mm -hmm. now a criminal defense attorney. She was on the prosecution side. Uh, she's killer. Uh, but, you know, she and I were, we share memes on Instagram. And so the <laughs> other day it was one that was like, remember when we thought people in their 20s were grown-ups and had their shit together? Mm -hmm. Oh, man. Oh, gosh. Every day I just feel like I'm not a real adult. Like, no. not, not Absolutely yet. Absolutely not. No. So I just, you know, it's constantly just like, why do people let me do what I put people in prison for the rest of their life. Like, that is major. It is major. That's major. And, it, and it's not something to take lightly. Absolutely lightly. not. Um, and and I, I try to take, you know, I, I take it very seriously and I, and I love what I do and I try to do everything you know just by the book but it's crazy that I'm 20 I'm 28 29 how old did I just turn 29 <laughs> and <laughs> so I, I'm used to that I had an amazing birthday by the way I ran at a petting zoo it looked awesome I saw oh pictures my of gosh, it it looked really so awesome. fun I would do that every day if I could yeah it was it, the best and well I remember talking to you about it and you were saying like why can't I have a petting zoo like what what's what's wrong with that why wouldn't and, I yeah why wouldn't you I no mean, I didn't I, even you know I didn't even consider it until you <laughs> mentioned it and I'm like she's absolutely fucking right because on the flip side of the coin we are adults and can do whatever the fuck we want <laughs> I know I was just I don't even know how I thought about it I was just like oh no I know it was goat yoga my boyfriend and I did goat <laughs> yoga in Austin and I had the best time. I mean, okay, not, like, what? not much yoga was yoga. done. Okay, that's what I'm wondering. Like, are you really doing yoga? No. I mean, <laughs> I, I did some child's... No, I did some table pose where you, like, no. It went, no, no yoga was done by okay. me. There were other people <laughs> doing yoga. I was playing with the goats and the pigs, and I was just like, this is happening. Yeah, but I'm like, what was the... Uh, inspiration behind it you know because you hear about dog because yoga and... goats jump on top of everything okay so it's hilarious when you're like doing poses and they just jump on you yeah they don't care it's so funny and it's also just interaction. they're so cute they're yeah. baby goats i'm a fan of goats i want one so bad are they doing it here in corpus um they've done it a couple times i haven't been able to go but it's very sporadic okay it's not as much as like it's in the big cities like huge super super common yeah which is surprising i know but I know. no who, who knew right but, uh, so what made you decide, because your focus, and, and correct me because my jargon isn't uh, on point, but so your focus is domestic violence, mm -hmm. right? Okay, so you're in the Domestic Violence Bureau mm -hmm. of Nueces County? Of uh, the DA's office. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so I had that up. Um, I was, <laughs> poor Matt Manning, I was begging him. I mean, since before the, this administration got to office, I started uh, over two years ago, and I just wanted to do it. So I interned with the Travis County Domestic Violence Unit uh, in the misdemeanor section. Right after you graduated. Right after I graduated. Okay. Uh, and 
after I took the bar exam, before I got my results. And mm -hmm. I just fell in love. There was so much psychology behind it that was really interesting to me. My minor's in philosophy. Um, Ooh. Yeah. That's interesting. I just, I kind of but fell into it. makes sense. It. It's relevant. I took, well, and what actually did it for me, I was taking a, a couple, I took a medical, what was it? Medical ethics class. Okay. Uh, that sounds like that year. challenging. I, did, I mean, it was just this guy talking about stuff that was just controversial. There's mm -hmm. not like a real answer, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So that just fascinated me. Um, so I just kept picking up these little classes and I just ended up having enough almost for a minor in, in philosophy. So I was like, well, I'll just take Might as well. Like, yeah. Well. I took an existentialism class and I still have no idea what that is. No? But that's okay. No, I, 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 I don't. At one point. I have no idea. Um, I think I read some Nietzsche at some point, yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, but I, so the psychology behind domestic violence is really what kind of caught my attention mm -hmm. uh, when I was interning there. And it's because, and also I guess I should back up. So after my first year of law school, um, okay, so I wanted to be a prosecutor up through college, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's another thing. I'm sorry, I'm seg yeah, another, you're good. another segue. How do you decide prosecution, defense, or can you flip-flop? Like, how does that work? Yeah, so being a, a lawyer is kind of like being a doctor. You can do whatever you want. Okay. Um, and so I could theoretically go tomorrow to defense, or even I could go to family law, or whatever kind of law I wanted to. Except okay. for intellectual property. Those are different people and mm -hmm. very smarter. What about, like, environmental? Yeah, you, you could do, do environmental. Mm -hmm. Okay. Hmm. I mean, I, I couldn't because I don't know anything about it. Right. <laughs> theoretically, I could practice with yeah. my degree. Right. Um, or with my license, rather. But, so, I wanted to be a prosecutor, and then, you've seen Legally Blonde, right? Yes. I introduced my boyfriend to them. <laughs> Beautiful. I loved it. Uh, yeah, I'm sure he loves it, also as an attorney. He's he, well, yeah, it. I mean, I, I was a little drunk and, like, quoted the entire thing to him, and he was like, can you stop doing that? And I was like, yeah, sure. And, like, five seconds later, I was not capable of talking to myself, but I, it's my favorite movie of all time. Uh, that and Moulin Rouge. But, um, Ooh, good one. I know, right? Yeah. Bob Lerman. Can't, I, yeah. That's, yeah, good one. I cried my eyes out. I first saw it when I was in college. And I was, Same. Yeah, by myself in the sorority house. And I just came downstairs and my best friend's doing homework in the common room. And I'm like, clearly have been devastated. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, oh my God, what's wrong? And I was like, have you ever seen Moulin Rouge? And she was like, dude, yeah. I have to stop it like after to a point. I'm like, okay, I don't need it. Oh, I can't. I just, I know what everything. I mm. love that movie so much. It's my go-to. And now, uh, Greatest Showman, too, for some reason. I have not seen that one. Oh, my God. You have also, to see it. Mind blown. You and McGregor? No. Um, what's his name from Le Mis and also Wolverine? Oh, Hugh Jackman. Yes. Okay. So I was like, is that the one where Wolverine <laughs> sings? And I was like, okay, I'll take yes. it. Yes. That's the one. That's the sure. one. Sure. Fantastic film. Um, I don't know what about it. Just, I just am obsessed. When I ever just, like, two go-to films are Moulin Rouge and Greatest Show. All right, I'll have to check that one out. Thank you for the recommendation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, so uh, first year of law school is exactly like it is in Legally Blonde, except for you have to also stand up when you're giving your answers in front of the entire class. So people are kind of jerk-offs? No, like, but you're just with 100 people, mm -hmm. and you have to stand up, and the professor's questioning you by yourself oh. in front of 100 people. Yeah. In your first year, you don't know anything, and you're just like... <laughs> Uh, that scene where she like rattles off all those like uh, improper jurisdiction jurisprudence yes, yes. Uh, due to habeas corpus. It's just like that. You yeah. know, you're just making it up as you go. And it yeah. really teaches, law school teaches you to think on your feet mm -hmm. and think like a lawyer. It Which doesn't crucial. Really teach you how to be a lawyer, but um, uh -huh. it teaches you how to think. Yeah. So after that experience, I was like, oh, I'm not doing trial law. Like this is for the birds. I'm not getting up and talking in front of people. Okay. Um, 
Wow. Yeah. So I was like, oh gosh, I do not want to be a prosecutor. I want to be a contracts attorney and make lots of money and sit behind a desk all day. Yeah. So then I came back to Austin my after my first year and my friends and I were robbed downtown Austin. Uh, Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. After whoa. night. Yeah. We were out on 6th Street and like the someone night I got home. Face like came up to you and brought, like you were mugged? Yeah, by a group of people. Oh my God. It was terrifying. Yeah, that is terrifying. Um, and also... I went, you know, I went to college in, in Austin and I was downtown all the time, but I didn't realize how much crime is down there. I, if you really, yeah. Except public I thought intoxication. It was, yeah, I thought it was totally safe, but if you start looking at it, there's a lot of, like, robberies and mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Interesting. So, yeah, so I, um, we were robbed downtown literally the night I got back from law school, um, after my first year. Wow. It was insane. Yeah, and, it is. And so we stayed up all night and it was crazy and my friends were really assaulted. I really wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, when you say assaulted. They were hit, the hit. so yeah, the, 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 it was a group of guys and girls. They pulled them down by their hair, stole their purses. Um, it was crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. And I, that's where I discovered I have a panic response of freeze, which is completely unhelpful. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> fight or flight, fight or flight, neither. But freeze. now I have a law degree, so I can do something yes. besides that. Yes, yes. Uh, so I think that's really where it started. I was, I was kind of the go-between between us and the police and the DA's office. Mm-hmm. So, and I interned at the DA's office, but I was more in like the white-collar crime. It was kind of not really stuff that I was interested in. But What is that, like um, embezzling kind of thing? Financial, like, yeah. Well, yeah. It was, yeah. Um, I obviously my specialty is violence. I love violent crime. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I, I that's how I kind of learned the system. And I was like, you know, I, and I was real irritated. I'll tell you what, because um, they really only charged one girl with the felony robbery. And um, I had the conversation with the prosecutor. I was like, I want her to go to prison. Yeah. And he was like, I'm telling you, she's not going to get prison from a jury. Like I, he's like, I've staffed this case with. Lots of other people, like, I've been doing this a while, I know what I'm talking about. She's not getting prison from a jury. Promise you. Wow. And that was a really hard thing to hear. But how did they make that determination well, so from the get-go? Well, when so, we, when we do these cases, um, any case, we work it up, we do the intake process, figure it out, what we're going to charge it, and then we have a plea negotiation process. Um, and at that point, the defense, or the defendant can either take the deal um, and avoid a trial or mm-hmm. they can go to trial. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of things go into that and it's just, we can't try every case that comes in. Uh, right. I, so now I do the staffings with law enforcement. There are probably at least 80 cases a week, 80, 80 calls for domestic violence a week. There is Jesus. Right. And that's here. That's here. Wow. Um, that's just PD. That's not even sheriff's office or Robstown or, uh, you know, any of the outlying areas within New Aces County. That's just CCPD. Um, and so, so we look at them and, you know, once you've done it for a while, you get a feel for what juries are going to do. And so we usually, are they, are people that predictable? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 Um, and it's, I mean, no, I, I believe it. I mean, it's just one of those things like the general population, I mean, on average will probably do this. Like, well, yeah. Once you've done it, like I said, once you've done it enough, um, you kind of have a feeling for what jurors feel. What I lost, I lost every misdemeanor case I tried, except for the one family violence I tried here. Um, juries, I lost a DWI where his blood alcohol content was 0.248. I lost it. Got a not guilty. They walked what? in. Yes. And you actually presented the the oh, BAC yeah. results? Oh, yes. The, the defense attorney was fantastic. He's now my boss, Matt Manning. But I we always <laughs> joke about this. 
I will <laughs> never get over okay. this in my entire life. But he is so, I mean, if you've seen him in trial, he's a fantastic Well, I will, I will say this. Attorney. I will say this. Because to me, as a juror, because I've been in a similar situation, but they didn't provide the BAC. And I'm like, well, without the BAC, I mean, I'm sorry. Like, I have to find them not guilty. If they presented a BAC and it were above .08, that motherfucker's guilty. I tell so, you. that defense attorney. Matt, Matt must be a fucking fantastic. Dean. He argued. <laughs> I mean, uh, it was it, it was finer points of law. The guy wasn't uh, wasn't a an English speaker, so he, he kind of argued that maybe he didn't consent to the hospital. We don't really have that conversation, so we don't know. And it was brilliant. Yeah. Um, okay. But the jury ate it. Uh, yeah. They just ate it up. I just I will always be salty about that. But I gotta hand it to them. But New Aces, I mean, not not just New Aces. Every every population's juries have their you know idiosyncrasies mm-hmm. and. and things that they'll really hammer on and things that they won't um and so back to how i got into it the prosecutor's telling me she's gonna get probation it's you know i think we shouldn't go to trial we shouldn't risk it not guilty she's gonna right. plead she'll get probation okay she's probably gonna mess it up and then she'll go to prison okay right. that's exactly what happened wow i uh, but yeah. that, that's interesting to me because for someone like me who doesn't practice and doesn't know too much you think okay guilty not guilty that's it mm-hmm. and don't think about the fact that you could go for the slightly less victorious way and ultimately get your outcome. Mm-hmm. That is very interesting. That's a lot of what we do in domestic violence too. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that later, but I, I now have to have that conversation with people every day. And I'm like, look, I've never been in a domestic violence situation, but I know how it is to hear this and not be thrilled about Also, rarely do I have it because victims are really cooperative with me. I'm usually mm-hmm. the enemy for some reason. Interesting. Um, but, oh yeah. And, um, but when I do have to have that conversation, it's, it's kind of hard, but I, you know, I feel for them because I'm like, I know, but in the long run, this is what's going to better serve everybody. Yeah. That's for everybody's highest good. And so when you say that you're the enemy, quote unquote, I mean, they know you're there to represent them. Well, so I represent the state of Texas. <clears throat> okay. Um, and what, <laughs> what I like to say is that means everybody except that guy being the defendant. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody in the state except for that guy. But... Right. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I also stole that from somebody. But, um, so, what happens in domestic violence cases and the psychology behind it, which I found so interesting. So, when I was a victim of a crime, a violent crime, I was at the DA's door. I was there. I wanted to cooperate. I wanted to testify. I wanted to get my story out. I wanted that person to be held accountable. Mm-hmm. What's different about domestic violence cases is because there's such a, a different uh, relationship with intimate partners. Yes. Very often, the victim will end up going back to the defendant. Yes. And so we see this in jail calls all the time. Um, that's one of our biggest tools, by the way. Uh, is, is what? We listen to jail calls. The oh. J- yeah. So what we see. Really? Of, oh, yeah. The one phone call. You, is, like, all is that what you're referring they to? Phone, no. They phone all the time. Um, <laughs> This case where we just had, it was, he had 700 jail calls. Damn. 700. And so we're, it's me, my partner, we've got some interns listening, we're just trying to find something. Wow. Um, and we ultimately did, which mm-hmm. was pretty cool. But uh, So we listened to jail calls, and it's the same every single time, because the, the cycle of domestic violence is the same, and everyone thinks they're the exception. Yes. But they're not. Nope. And I, th- those are the conversations I have to have, and, and I have to be like, I know that you think it's not gonna be you, but I went to an autopsy where a girl was murdered by her partner and left out on the county road. She didn't think it was gonna be him either, but she had a pending case against him at the time. 
So, so what happens is in these jail calls, um, you'll see the pattern and it happens outside of the jail calls too. Mm -hmm. This is what we have access to Yeah, is, uh, they won't call them for a day or two. They won't call the victim and then they'll start to call and kind of test the waters. Mm -hmm. And so the victim at first feels emboldened by telling her story to police, finally getting out. She feels, uh, relieved. She's getting out of this thing. And then he's actually gone for a couple days and then she kind of starts to regret things or, yeah. um, got you know, missing people. We've yes. all been in relationships oh, with toxic people, of regardless of whether or not yeah. they're abusive, but you miss that person, even mm -hmm. though they're a garbage human. Mm -hmm. Um, so you'll see he, he starts to get in there and starts to, you know, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Or, and then he'll start to minimize the abuse. You know, was it wasn't really that bad or, you know, it, you know, um, these other people are, are stabbed and all these things. And then he'll, he'll start to turn it on her. Like, you know, you just, you wouldn't let me walk away. I tried to walk away and you wouldn't oh, stop God. talking. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's they'll the same thing. It. They'll flip it and they'll, they'll, they'll then start talking about the jail conditions. So it's so bad in here. I'm so miserable. You know, maybe I just won't call you again. And they'll start to use these things mm -hmm. and manipulate. And mm -hmm. it's just, it is the same every time. And it's crazy that you know it. It's like formulaic. It is. All of it. these jail calls, they're all the same. Mm -hmm. I know when they're going to call them. They're going to call them around court dates. And I know, I know, you know, through these thousands of calls, I know which ones to pick out to find what I need. Right. Because they're all the same. Because mm -hmm. the, the, I mean, it's just such a psychology, which, which is really interesting. But um, it also, and so what they do then is, is then the victim starts to come around and feel bad, uh, guilty. She starts to then minimize it in her own mind. So yes. then she's like, "Well, I don't want him. I don't really want him to go to jail. I don't really want him to go to prison. I don't want him to be away from me, you know." And there are other things to consider. There's sometimes there's uh, citizenship, children involved, of course, like that. money. Mm -hmm. So then, um, so then they start calling me. I'm going to drop charges, and I put drop charges in quotes because it's it's kind of a misnomer. It's not something that actually actually can be done by the victim because it's the state of Texas right. versus the defendant. Right. 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 So it's not something that a victim can drop or just make okay. go away. And yeah, that's honestly, I thought that you could. So I'm glad you cleared that up. Yeah. And so I just, I have to have, you know, I have to have a conversation where, you know, it's not you versus him. This is the state versus him. And he's ultimately what we're trying to do is make people accountable, mm -hmm. I think. And, and try to let them know that this is not okay. And um, so anyway, once she... You know, she's trying to drop the charges and she gets frustrated because I'm not doing what she wants and she just wants us all to go away, you know? At this point, some time has elapsed and, and you're able to kind of push it down, push down the event, forget about it. Um, yes, of course. Of yes. Course. Uh, and then you go back, you want to go back to what's normal, you know? You, yeah. And these, these women and men, they, That's what I was gonna they ask. do love each other. Is it all women? It is. So I purposefully use she as the victim and he as the abuser because it is such a gendered thing. Mm -hmm. 146 women were killed in Texas in 2016 by their current or former intimate partner. 146. 146 in the entire state. And when that number is even close with men, I will change the way that I talk about it. But yes. for right now, yes, there are female offenders. There are. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Just in your experience, how many male victims have you come across? Not many. Mm -hmm. Especially fewer that are willing to prosecute. Uh-huh. That's true. But, I mean, it, we, we treat every case the same as, you know. Of course. Regardless of who the gender... A lot of things we've been coming up against are LGBTQ issues as well. There are, there are some intimate partner violence there. Wow. Well, I mean, you know, we're all people. Like, I mean, it doesn't really matter what your, you know, sexual 
preference or orientation is. I mean, we're, we're all people and we all are fucked up in our own ways. And I mean, that is across the board. So, but I bet you not very many people think about it like that. Yeah. Yeah. I so. mean, it's very much male versus female kind of thing, but there's always these kinds of outliers and, mm -hmm. and, uh, situations where it happens, you know, amongst other groups. So Definitely. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. Uh, so I imagine that you have to have a pretty fucking thick skin to see and hear and deal with some of the shit that you deal with. Because you're like on the front lines as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, no, I like to think so. Um, my friend and former uh, partner, Jim Kingman, always says, you know, that the good days are really, really good and the bad days are really bad. Um, and that's just how it is, you know. Sometimes you have to walk away from a case that you can't prove. Um, sometimes oh you, even though you know, Ooh, that'd be hard for me. It's killer. And that's, you know, that's why we've done this domestic violence bureau because we're, you know, just, we're just sinking our teeth into these cases and we're swinging for the fences. That's what we did on this case. You know, we tried something new. We yes. Tried thanks something... for, for segueing into that because I'd like for you to talk to me as much about it as you can. Yeah. I know that there's like. You know, yeah, no, there's things you can't well, talk about. since I mean, so our courts are open. Anyone uh, off the street can walk into a courtroom and, and watch all of our proceedings and all. What? Of yeah, seriously? Oh yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, come by. Wow, it's fun. <laughs> come check it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so courts are open, um, and they're that way for a reason, and that's to protect you know the sanctity of the law and mm -hmm. make sure you know nobody's doing anything shady. Mm -hmm. um, and that's you know a lot of people think that criminal defense attorneys and um, prosecutors have a really bad relationship. We don't. We work together yeah, every single day, yeah. and we we get along so well. You know, sometimes we'll see family law attorneys handling stuff, and they are ruthless. They just they are like cats and dogs. But you know, I'm dating a criminal defense attorney. Yeah, and, uh, I, when so, I first yeah. met you, I learned that, and I thought that was very interesting. But, yeah, uh, we, it's great for us. I mean, we can run stuff by each other and, and kind of get a feel for the other side, and we know what they're gonna do. So you are like a great. show. You're totally <laughs> like a show. I try, I try, and then you know. I've, some of my best friends are defense attorneys. My best friend is a defense attorney. And um, so it's just, you know, it, it's something that we... And we both want to be good at our jobs, you know? We want the other one to be good. If, if the other attorney's bad, it's not good for us. Yes. You know what I mean? Oh, that's true. Yeah. yeah you're absolutely right. Like, you don't want it to be a, for lack of a better term, shut out. Yeah. You know? I, don't, I don't want somebody who's ineffective. I want mm -hmm. somebody who's really going to put in the work because I want that... Because in the end, I want to get a conviction if it's the right thing to do, and I want that conviction to hold up. Yes. Um, so... Yeah, I want good defense attorneys. I want smart people, mm -hmm. uh, and I want a good relationship. That's really with them. cool for to hear you say. That's awesome. It's you have to have a, you've worked together every single day because if you screw somebody on this case, well, you're gonna have another case with them tomorrow, and they're not gonna forget how you treated them yesterday. Yep. Um, and you know, you learn that when you're when you're coming up, and but it, it's interesting. And so, anyway, we created this unit um, to really these cases are difficult, especially when you don't have a victim, um, which is. Almost all of them. What does that mean when you oh, don't have a victim? When they stop wanting to cooperate. Oh. So then, once once they've gotten to the minimizing part and they're feeling guilty and stuff, and, and they they're trying to pull out, they want to pull out. Yeah. Now, these two people, the offender and the victim, are coming together to work on a plan to get him out of jail. <laughs> so now I become the enemy. Yes. Was saying yes. Earlier. Okay, it comes full circle. And you'll hear it, and that's what we did on this case. Um, you'll hear it on the jail calls, and they'll. The victim will find a way to... So what she was doing in this case was avoiding service of a subpoena. Mm -hmm. Subpoena is a court order to show up. Okay. So a lot of the times victims are going to say, I'm not coming to court. We'll send a special invitation for you. Um, ultimately, we can arrest people and bring them to court, and we have done it before. Uh, it's not something I like to do just because 
doesn't look good. But yeah. um, and it doesn't feel good. But, uh, you know, if we need them there, we're going to get them there because we're there to seek justice. We're not there to, we don't represent the victim. We don't represent anybody except for the state of Texas. That is very interesting, but important. It's an important distinction. There. It really is. Yeah. I really, yeah, my, it, like I said, in my mind, the, my unpracticed mind, you are representing the victim. But okay. All right, yeah. I get it. I mean, we have to take into account, right, her and, and, and the effects on her and stuff. But ultimately, I mean, you've got to think about the next victim, mm -hmm. the next relationship. Yes, because that's so true. You know, th this guy might leave her tomorrow and go to somebody else. And, and what we know about domestic violence, like I said, it's a cycle. And the psychology of victims is the same. So when victims leave an abuser, they will usually go to another abuser. Oh, because God. the abusers see people. They pick victims Jeez. because they are victims. Yes. And they pick them because they're not credible. They have... Usually they'll have drug or alcohol problems or some reason, something that they can hold over the head that, you know, they're not going to be good for police, that they won't want to call the police, things like this. So we that know. That is very interesting. That's another thing that, that juries want to see is they want to see <clears throat> Lily White, you know, picture perfect victims. Mm -hmm. And you just don't have that in domestic violence. So, mm -hmm. wow. Yeah, I use my jury selection to be like, you know, no one's above the law and no one's below the law, mm -hmm. you know? Um, it's just like we prosecute murders of gang members, you know? Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. No one's okay. below the law. Yes. Um, so that's that's just how we see it, what we do. Yeah, no, but you're exactly right. I mean, if you're representing the law the way it's supposed to be represented. But uh, for you to throw in there, because, like I said, in my mind, I'm only using myself. Other people's well, perspective these are, might be This different. is what jurors yes. come in to say. But, you know, when you say, like, say, a, you know, a couple who undergoes domestic violence splits... All I'm thinking is, well, that abuser is going to go abuse someone else and didn't even think that the victim will go be a victim to somebody else. Like, of course. It just magnifies. Mm -hmm. Wow. It makes sense. And that's why, you know, we're really... I hate to say it. I mean, I, I, I don't know if we'll ever put an end to domestic violence. Um, ultimately, that's the goal, of course. But, right. um, you know, what we're doing now is just holding people accountable for it. Yeah. No, I mean, and to me, that's, that's the ultimate goal. I mean, a realistic goal. So... But, okay, so this case, because apparently, I mean, it's a pretty big deal here locally. So, I mean, tell, tell me about it. Okay, so this case, um, it was a, gosh, oh, I remember we did, it was a strangulation case. So, strangulation in Texas is a third degree felony automatically. Okay. And what that is What's is What's the highest degree? First. Oh, just kidding. I knew that. So there's first, second, okay. third degree, then there's state jail, which is kind of its own little mm -hmm. thing, um, and that's kind of like a fourth degree if you want to get there. And then there's yeah. class A, B, and C misdemeanor. Right, right, okay. Assault family violence is a class A misdemeanor, normally. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, you know, everybody's seen the Hooks video, right? Oh, yeah. The Hooks, that assault that looked so bad, that was a misdemeanor. That's horrible. But people don't think about it. You know, when you hear he slapped her, or he punched her, he pulled her hair, you don't think about, it doesn't sound that bad, right? Maybe it does to, to unbra you know, to people who don't deal with it every right, single day. Right, right, but, right, right. Yeah. And that's what we lose our juries on a lot of the time. They'll be like, oh, you know, and, and they'll, they're expecting to see people covered in bruises, right? The right. commercials. Yes. And, and the reality is you don't bruise right away. Mm -hmm. um, you're not going to bruise from a hair pull. You're not, you're probably not going to bruise from a slap. Yep. Um, and the police, our police force has been so great working with us, but they just, they don't have time to follow up three days after when the bruises are there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so you know, what you're working up against is these jury expectations. And so 
strangulation is a, a third degree felony because we know that people who are strangled by their partners are seven times more likely to then be murdered. Um, it's purely from the strangulation. If they've been strangled. Yes. Like, so, if that has been in the history of your relationship. Oh, my God. It's insane. Yeah. And so, that's why I'm so glad Texas made it an automatic felony, along with stalking, but we'll get to that later. Um, mm-hmm. But, so, strangulation is anything that impedes the normal breathing or circulation. So, it's another thing juries don't convict on a lot, because they're expecting to see fingernail marks or you know things like that that are in movies and tv shows yes you're not gonna see it if you even just put your finger up and press a little bit you're gonna impede your airway a little bit you're gonna feel how little that takes and you're not gonna leave a mark on yourself so just imagine i mean a little more that's not gonna leave bruises it's not gonna leave you know and and that's what they expect and so it's hard to work up against that you're working with you know victims that aren't um aren't great they're they're not likable or believable all the time where people don't want to like them or believe them because right. they don't meet expectations yep um and oh then gosh. you're working with non-visible injuries um and and so that's what we have to kind of educate our juries on so what we what we had here um this guy had a strangulation case against his girlfriend um and he had some other cases too but we were trying that one and um so in Texas, or not in Texas, actually, in the United States, what we have is a law. It's called the Confrontation Clause. It's in the Constitution. It's, mm-hmm. it's your defendants are have the right to be confronted by their accusers. And what that means is okay. certain statements can't come into trial unless the person is there to say it. Oh. That's why usually we need a victim to prosecute, a, a victim who will testify mm-hmm. as to what happened. Um because usually they don't want to do that we have a uh, a forfeiture by wrongdoing clause not clause it's a wrong word um but it's an exception to Mm -hmm. that rule what that means is a defendant can't benefit from doing something to make the victim unavailable or the the testifying witness but in these cases it's the victim right so uh historically it's been like threats um, oh, like if you if you testify, come, I'm gonna do this okay. or things like that, um, or you know I'm gonna slash your tires, like or crimes, things like that, um, which is actually a totally different crime in itself. That's witness tampering, but yeah. Um, so what I argued in this case, we like I said, so we pulled the jail calls, which we typically do. We knew she wasn't uh, cooperating with us. Mm-hmm. She wasn't answering the phone. She was avoiding our uh, investigator who was trying to serve her with subpoena. Um. And so we pulled the jail calls because that's where everything is. And uh, there were 700 and we just started listening. Um, I know. Like how many hours is that? Oh God. I mean, you know, you go home and you cook dinner and you're listening to jail calls. Or you're, you know, I did that. I had a glass of wine, listened to jail calls, cooked some dinner, you know, did that uh, for a couple of days. And my partner worked on it too. And we had some interns, like I said. And what we ultimately ended up arguing was that his wrongdoing was continuing the relationship and sweet talking her. And um, they kind of planned together how she was going to avoid the subpoena. And she was telling him, you know, I'm gonna, and he was like, stay inside, you know, don't let anybody, or make sure somebody goes out in front of you. Wow. All of these things. So it was not, it's not something that's really on the books yes. as far as case law, things yes. like that. Um, but. Because you're used to it being more of a negative. 
kind of yeah. uh, association. And that's why more. it's kind of a misnomer, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's forfeiture by an act. It's, you know, it says wrongdoing, but, and so people automatically think, well, it has to be a crime or it has to be a threat or something, yes. but it doesn't. It can be any act that's intended to get the victim not to show up. So now, I mean, we have this new avenue that we're going to be working with. And this is what we see all the time is, is, is people trying to continue the relationship and then they're getting together and trying to plan out. Right. Or she's going to say, Oh, I'll tell them I didn't do it. I'm going to go sign the affidavit of non-prosecution, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. So, um, that's a new thing we're working on and, and that way we're getting convictions even more. Yeah. And well, what happened with this case actually is once we got that ruling by the judge, the defense attorney called the victim and had her come testify for him. Yeah, okay, so so then what? So then... Well, that was like kind of like their Hail Mary kind yeah, of thing? Yeah, I closed my case, and I knew she was out there, and I didn't call her. Because the rules... Uh, when you're questioning a witness, you can't lead them. Yes. And uh, But if you're cross-examining, you can't. Mm-hmm. And I knew he was going to call her. Mm-hmm. So oh, I closed my I case without did. her. I, I, I put on the police officers. Uh, I put in her statements through the body cam, all of that. And then... Um, I let him call her as a witness. And she got on the stand, said it didn't happen, made it up, blah, blah, blah. Um, and we just had to argue to the jury, you know? Don't check your common sense at the door. You know, and, and what a lot of defense attorneys rely on is, you know, beyond a reasonable doubt. That's yes, such a high burden. Yes. You have to, you, there's, they didn't meet it. That's every time. Mm-hmm. So Even we if just you have to be, Yeah. <laughs> you have to, it has to be a reasonable doubt. You And you've got to use your common sense. You yeah. don't, you know, and um, people... Jurors can sometimes get swayed, and, and uh, a lot of the times they'll be like, well, there just wasn't enough evidence, but what they don't realize is testimony is evidence. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they want to see pictures and, and videos, and we, d- we do as much as we can to bring all of that in, um, if we have it, but sometimes we just don't. You know, I've got a testimony, and, and you know, they don't, you don't commit assault in front of a bus full of nuns. Of course, so yeah. So <laughs> you do behind closed doors where there's only one witness, and that's yep. the victim, and then now she doesn't want to show up, and... Yep. So it's, it, you know, I just, it felt good. It was, it was, I think a really bright spot in the dark. That's huge. You know, well, and, and I got into this. So when I was interning with the Travis County in Austin, um, we did a bench trial and the victim kind of did the same thing. She got up there and minimized and said, you know, he didn't really do that. Like I, you know, I provoked him. I was drunk, all this stuff. Mm -hmm. The judge saw through it and convicted him. And she came up to us afterwards and said, thank you so much. And hugged us. The victim. Yes. Okay. The person who just testified against us. Yeah. Um, it's like they just, they're so, they're torn. I think is what it is. Oh, absolutely. They're so incredibly torn. Well, they do love him and he probably does love her in his own way. Mm -hmm. Um, it's kind of messed up, but no, uh, I think it's interesting that you are providing these kinds of perspectives. Like, I've never heard someone more... What's the word? Like, you're unbiased. Like, you're completely, like, neutral almost. I have, you know, I have some cases where I, I really get invested in the victim, and I, you know, well, all of them. I mean, I want to see them do the best. Um, a lot of the times they're not cooperative with me, so I can't get super invested. But, um... Jeez. <laughs> <you know, laughs> but I, you know, I was kind of hoping for that in this case, but she, she didn't, and, uh, you know, I, I did feel bad for her. Um, did you ever hear from her afterward? No. Yeah. No, I didn't. Um, but... I'm sure she realizes i mean you know it's just one of those things like even if they can't acknowledge it like i hope so i mean i encourage everybody to get counseling that's what yeah. i tell them because they'll if they get out of this relationship they'll go to another one if they if they don't fix yes what's wrong with that and i mean i go to a therapist you know i say everybody needs a therapist it yes. doesn't matter you know no i like that you're saying that too because i mean i finally feel like the conversation is starting to become very realistic and uh 
welcoming about the need for mental health checkups. Yeah. But I mean, it's such a stigma, you know, like, I mean, you can talk about your physical ailments, no problem, and you better go get that physical, but but to admit that you may have some sort of struggle mentally, I mean, man, or psychologically. So I love that you just said that. Even just, you know, talk through things, you know, I... I have a stressful job, but yeah, that, gosh, I love that time. You know, you just you talk about, you know, your life and the things that your boyfriend doesn't want to hear over and over and yeah, over again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, but it's, and they're professional. They, and they, you know, so many tools, so many tools to help you. Mm-hmm. And so I tell everybody, and that's, that's, you know, one of my main things is I need you to focus on you and become a better person by yourself. Mm-hmm. Because once, I mean, it's, you know, it's that trope of what I, I can't, be a better us until I'm a better me. And it's just so yeah. true. Yeah. You have to work through your stuff and you have to get out of being a victim. So you're not a victim again. Yep. Um, and then abusers, you know, we, we do a lot of probations, um, and we put them through a, a it's called a BIP class. I think it's 26 weeks. I don't want to speak on that, but it's a long class. Um, there was, what, what kind of class is it? So it's called BIP, Batters Intervention Prevention okay. Program. Um, the recidivism rate a few years after completing the class is pretty low. Um, I don't remember something, it's pretty low, but the fact is a lot of people don't complete the class, which sucks. Um, but we do, we do try to go that route of fixing the behavior. Um, probation is, is great. Um, especially for me, cause my victims usually want the guy out of jail. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's a great way to. That's true. Kind of compromise yes. and say, look, he's got true. to take accountability, mm. and he's got to learn some things. And maybe he has a substance abuse issue. A lot of these assaults involve substance abuse, and um, so you know that's a good way. And they can still stay a couple if they want to. I'm making no moral judgment on that. I am, but quietly. Um, <laughs> but it, you know, I that's that's not really my place. Yeah. But. If they're going to be a better couple, he's going to be accountable for things, and he's going to need to not do that anymore. Yeah. But we just, I mean, in, in Texas, like I said, there's, so usually a punch or a slap is going to be a class A misdemeanor. If you already have a conviction... Like one punch. Yeah. I'm sorry. So it's like, if, if I, like, come at you and punch you, like, five times, still a misdemeanor? Still a misdemeanor. So until you cause serious bodily injury, or you strangle somebody, or you use a deadly weapon, you're not getting to, to felony land. Unless okay. you have a prior conviction. Or oh, you do it twice oh, oh. within a 12-month period. Okay. There are a couple ways um, that you can get to felony. And so we try to, you know, we knock them up just because, first of all, they should be felonies. But uh, felony comes with a lot of, uh, what's the word? Supervision. Okay. We have the probation department. We can do long 10 years of, of probation if we need to. Wow. Yeah. So it's a long time to just, you know, Damn. keep somebody on their shit mm-hmm. um you know if, if they need no drug treatment or alcohol treatment they'll do that um they have curfews mm-hmm. uh like i said the the classes. i mean they're literally being like micromanaged kind of yeah of a lot a lot of people don't like the probation lifestyle it mm-hmm. is it, it's inconvenient mm-hmm. um but what it what makes me feel good is they're getting some kind of treatment and well yeah i mean like that or prison you know i mean which is ultimately the ultimate treatment, right? Yeah, yeah. But we know, I mean, statistically, prison makes better criminals. So that's what I also have to weigh. Also interesting to hear from the mouth of an attorney. It does. Um, and, and so that's what I always weigh. You know, I, that's why I don't put everybody in prison. You know, gosh, yeah. we'd probably be a more violent society if that happened. But 
it's, it's always the, the things to weigh when you look at a case you know it's, yeah. it's, is this person a real danger mm-hmm. are they going to do it again mm-hmm. um, is it going to be worse next time right so and I think usually you can I mean there are indicators like you said the psychology and all that kind of thing so wow so back to kind of like the gender roles in terms so you mentioned them in terms of the cases that you try but when it comes to being amongst attorneys do you find that there's a double standard or any sort of you know dichotomy between being a male attorney and a female attorney yes okay. <laughs> and my mom I knew the answer to that yeah but. yeah um, and my mom has always warned me about this and like I said she is goals everything she is yeah, an she amazing sounds like a attorney she really is uh, she's an incredible attorney um, just well spoken so I mean just great composure um, smart and really really talented so she always warned me she's like there's a bitch line and you can't cross it mm-hmm. you gotta be strong but you cannot be a bitch wow or people will hate you yep so you know you, you butt up against that line a lot I'd probably cross it Two or three times I'm sure, a day. but I do um, too. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, where where male attorneys are seen as being strong and, and taking charge and owning it, you're seen as being a bitch, and uh, it's just something you got to deal with. And we have so many amazing female judges in Nueces County that I have been so lucky to get to know and practice in front of, and they are great role models. And and I I don't none of our judges really perpetuate any kind of Mm-hmm. Any any of that thing they're they're really all of them are lovely to practice in front of um, but yeah you can and I'm sure in some more conservative counties or smaller counties it's yes. even worse yes you know I've been lucky to work for big counties um, so I really haven't seen it too too much but it, yeah of course there's a double standard yeah you know there's a double standard wherever you are for a male and a female it just that's how it is but yeah. but I mean I think if anyone can handle themselves it's definitely you <laughs> I mean and if you're past successes have proven anything it's that ultimately you're here like you said to put the bad guys in jail and you know take care of those and and help help people out and to me what I think is cool is that it's not only about winning the case or necessarily putting the bad guy in jail but you're also saying like hey these are also some really awesome options for you like when it's all said and done take care of yourself kind of thing and definitely that to me speaks volumes so okay, okay so someone who may be in an abusive relationship now like, what would you say to them as an attorney? Get counseling, get therapy, work with the prosecutor. You know, the, the way that I, like I said, we make these decisions, right, on how to handle these cases. What's going to be best for them? Is it going to be probation? Is it going to be deferred probation? Is it going to be prison? I can get a way better idea if the victim's talking to me. Hey, look, this is, you know, we've been in a relationship for this long. It's never happened before. You know, maybe there was a little alcohol that night, too much. I can get a better idea of how that person needs to be treated and how that what offer needs to be made. You know, rather than if a victim's not talking to me, I'm worried she's in danger. Mm-hmm. That's my number one fear, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Because the number one fear is you're gonna come in tomorrow and the victim you talked to last week or tried to get a hold of is dead. That's our number one fear, right? That's what keeps us up at night. So that's that's the ultimate goal. We're trying to prevent that from happening. So if the victim's t- talking to me, telling me you know what's happening, giving me a picture of the you know, nature of the relationship, all of that, I can get a better idea of how to handle this case and what's justice in this case, which is yes. ultimately my job. Um, and, and so speak up. Um, also my best friends lately have been family members of victims. Oh my God. Um, they are so helpful. Uh, and it's, it's just because they love these victims. And, and I, 
my heart just breaks every time I talk to one because, you know, it's a family member of a victim who's still in denial, who's who's in still in the relationship and doesn't want to doesn't want to go forward with this, just wants to forget about it, you know, let it go, put it in the past, didn't happen, it's, it's not a big deal. But what they can't see is when a when an abuser has a pending case, he's got a lot to lose, especially at felony. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. He's got, he's looking at prison time. Um, so they're going to be real nice in that period. They're not going to do anything mm-hmm. to, you know, rattle the boat with that victim. So they're thinking everything's fine. Everything's everything's good. I don't, you know, we don't need to press these charges. We don't need to do any of that. Everything's great. But they don't realize that they're being manipulated. Mm-hmm. And, because and, they want to believe it so bad. Okay, everyone wants to be loved, right? Yes. Everyone wants that. Um, you know, that's not wrong. It's not wrong to yeah, want of that. Course not. Or, or, you know, it, and it, like I said, everyone, I know I've had <laughs> relationships that I'm not oh, proud of, or, definitely. you know, just because you want that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's fine. And, and we understand that. But these family members, man, I'll tell you, the people who stick by these victims, even when they don't want their help, when they're when they're telling them, you're, you're trying to control me, you're acting like I'm a child, all of this, those people are the strongest people that I know. And they're ultimately helpful. Um, oh, because, yeah. I mean, to have a support system like that, yes, yeah. crucial. Well, and they can help us in trial because we there are some times that we can get in testimony through them um, if the victim doesn't want to come forward with it or if the victim's recanting or things like that. And they'll also, you know... These people know you the best, and um, mm-hmm. they, they can judge a, a person, a victim, if, if she's still, if they're afraid for her safety, I'm afraid for her safety. You know, they know, they know both parties usually. Yeah. And if they're, oh, you're right. if they're worried about the safety, if I have somebody calling me saying, you know, I'm afraid that he's going to kill her, or I'm afraid, you Jeez, know, of all of this, I am getting on it immediately. Um, because if they care enough to be calling me, yeah. It's a big deal. Yeah. So um, if you know someone who's in an abusive relationship, say something. We're having a, a domestic violence summit uh, in October. And it's Where? called Speak Up. It's going to be at Del Mar. Um, I want to say it's the 18th of October, and I'm so bad at, for not doing this. But the, the stuff's going to start running in the caller times okay, good. for it. Um, so Good plug. If you can, yeah. I have no it, idea. So it's going to be a lot of speakers um, on several things of domestic violence. We've been putting it together for a while now. Um I mean, all day thing. Uh, it should be really good. It, it, you know, members of the community, that's ultimately who I want to come, you know, um, because if you work in domestic violence, you know all of this already. But I want to educate the jurors. That's what I want. Is I, you know, I went to a Rotary Club the other day, and it was great, you know, because jurors come in and they have, you know, these misunderstandings or, or they expect to see things that they're just not going to see. And so the more I can get my message out of, like, this is what domestic violence look like. It's, you know, it's not what's on TV. It's not what you think it is. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Ultimately. Exactly. I bet that's like one of the hardest, what's the word? Stereotypes. Or stereotypes. Yeah. To, to break through. Definitely. Wow. And you know, everybody assumes, you know, uh, well, somebody hit me, I would want to say something. Mm -hmm. Until it happens, right? Until it happens to you or, you know, I mean, with someone that you love to death. I mean, it's just crazy. Literally to death sometimes. That's you, it's terrible. Uh, yeah. So that's, you know. I mean, yeah, and that's something that I, you you said literally, and I know you mean it. Yeah, I mean, I've wow. been to the autopsies. You know, that's not fun. But ultimately, uh, if we do our job right, I think there will be fewer, hopefully. You know, yeah. we, we, people say, let's end domestic violence. You know, I think that's a great goal. <laughs> But in terms of reality, I don't, I don't know. Right. We're I know. Just, I mean, we're you always hope for that. Progress but... is just a little better than what it was. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. As, if, if we can 
do if we can monitor more people than we did last year if we can do fewer dismissals if we can hold more people accountable even if it means probation or deferred or whatever it means mm -hmm. you know that's going to be progress yeah i mean you're throwing a wrench in it i mean you know like like you said like any sort of like minimal progress is ultimately you know the the best thing better than at a standstill or going backwards or just nothing at all so i just you have opened my eyes tremendously. I've, awesome. I've learned a lot tonight, and uh, I just want to thank you so much for the work that you do. And you know, don't like throwing words like this around, but I mean, what you're doing is heroic and noble. And oh, I mean, no. truthfully, and uh, yeah, I mean, just just thank you. And I can't wait to see what else you do in your career, and just keep it up. And you're a badass. And just, ah, thanks thank so much for you. being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yes.